Hello brothers and sisters, this is the Remnant Warrior, and you are now listening to Buy Their Fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network. Buy their fruits, you shall know them. Buy, 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 buy their fruits. 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 You shall know them. Welcome to Buy Their Fruits. My name's Bryant, and I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy. Jeremy, how's it going today, brother? It's going good, man. I got uh, two very, very knowledgeable guys on the podcast with us tonight. We got Charlie Robertson and Ali Siadatan. Man, their research is absolutely incredible, so if you haven't heard of them, Charlie, he runs the Macroaggressions podcast, and Ali has a whole bunch of stuff that he runs as well. I'm going to let them both break down their own little profile for us right now. So, Charlie, how you doing, brother? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on, guys. Not a problem. Um, so could you uh, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, and sure. all that good stuff? Yeah, I host a podcast called Macroaggressions. It goes out twice a week, uh, once as a monologue, once as an interview. Um, it came out of uh, it, it came out of me actually. Prom- I'm a writer. I've written three books, and I was promoting my first book and doing a lot of podcasts and a lot of publicity for it. And after a while, one of the guys whose shows I went on said, you should really do a podcast. I'll help you engineer it. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. So so that's, it's been uh, about two and a half years now. And I, I'm enjoying the platform, being able to get you know get information out to people in an audio format and a video format, however we, however we can do it. And I basically just focus on government corruption, um, the way the world actually works, major corporations who are running it. I, I look into, I'm, I'm interested in everything. I don't pretend to have all the answers, of course, but I'm interested in finding out. And, um, and it's, it's, it's just been uh, a fascinating experience for me to uh, go down the podcasting rabbit hole. And uh, there's, and, and of course, given what we've been through over the last two years or so, you get the feeling that you're never really going to run out of topics. There's always going to be some insanity to talk about. So uh, uh, I, I try to, I try to approach it with like a, you know, I take it seriously to the, you know, as much as I can, but I also like to have some fun with it and kind of laugh at the absurdity of where we are. So, so from time to time, I might, I might, uh, you know, say something offensive or, or try to be funny, but, but it's, it's more like you, you, you kind of have to laugh at some points to keep from crying with, with the way the world works these days. So thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. Not a problem, man. And yeah, dude, you're hilarious. I'll be walking around my house with my headset on or my Bluetooth headset, and I'm just like cracking up. My wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm listening to macroaggressions. You try it out. It's <laughs> freaking funny. Be, it makes a good light, I think, of uh, all the darkness kind of surrounding us. So, Ali, how are you doing, brother? Fine. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me tonight. Not a problem. This is your third time back on here, which is awesome because you're the first, third time returning guest. And, uh, you know, everybody pretty much knows who you are. But just in case there's some people out there who don't, uh, do you want to just give a little background about yourself and what you do and your, your field of research? Sure. Um, uh, I released a documentary in 2006 called UFOs 
angels and gods. It was kind of a breakthrough for its time. And I had a UFO sighting in the deserts of Iran with my dad. And then I was looking for biblical answers to the whole phenomenon. And suddenly it took me into the study of history, um, completely seeing history through a new lens, uh, all of it drawn out from the Bible, uh, especially passages concerning the gods, which which had been overlooked as, as mythological beings. But, you know, the Bible saw them as real beings, the, the hybrid offsprings, their... The, the Nephilim, the giants, the birth of civilization itself, and then the biblical narrative uh, prophetically uh, talking about the age of empire and and kind of looking into the future and telling us that there's a plan for history and we are headed to, to a transition uh, from the age of empire to the messianic kingdom. And this transition involves the war of angels. And so the UFO phenomenon uh, became the empirical uh, evidence of that angelic reality and made the Bible very real for me. So if people want to look into my research, go to my website, thinkagainproductions.com and the YouTube channel. And then just, you know, it'll just, you'll see everything is there. There's a Patreon page, uh, and all kinds of fun stuff. Thinkagainproductions.com. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I think both of you guys uh, just take a, a, stellar approach to research and uh you think your personalities and hours line up well obviously uh ali you know we've had you on three times and we appreciate you uh investing so much time and and our listeners and charlie we appreciate the same with you and uh i think that they will benefit greatly from uh both of your websites and both of your research so i'm excited to see where that leads well thanks for having absolutely it's a problem here thank you anytime boys and i think that what we'll do right now is Kind of give Charlie some time to uh, help the listeners digest what the World Economic Forum is and their main objectives with the Internet of Things and the uh, Globalization 4.0 or wherever Charlie wants to bring it. And then after that, what we'll do is we'll have uh, Ali kind of take that information and translate into what the Bible talks about in prophecy of how the New World Order is going to eventually be established and what that's all about. So, Charlie, you can take it wherever you want, brother. That sounds like a great idea because that is not my area of expertise, but I appreciate those of you that have that knowledge. So I'll be interested to see how this all fits together. What I can say about the World Economic Forum is that I did an episode, actually did a a presentation for a conference, and I titled it uh, Fourth Reich or Fourth Industrial Revolution because what they're pushing for is is a term called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And when you look back on what the original revolutions were, the industrial revolutions, where it was like steam power, you know, it was first was the wheel and then steam power and then the moving into the, the world of silicon based chips and microprocessors and things like that. But they want to take it to a next step. They have a term that they call the fourth industrial revolution, and that is very straightforward. It is the blending of man with machines in the form of transhumanism. Now, when people talk about what are these maniacs doing in Davos? They're talking about this or that. And then you hear someone say, well, it's transhumanism. And and someone else goes, oh, get out of here with that. That's crazy conspiracy nonsense. No, actually, it's on their website. They're very upfront about it. This, There's no, you don't, I mean, you can get conspiratorial and sort of try to dig into what they're secretly thinking about, but it's, it's, it's quite unnecessary. They're very upfront. They talk about what they want, 
what they want to do, how they're going to do it, who they're going to use to do this. And, um, and it is the blending of man with machine. So I personally am not interested in that. I'm, I'm good the way I am. I, I don't want, um, you know, I recognize the benefits of advanced technology and, 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 you know, technology improves as we get a little bit older. That's the way it is. I'm not, I'm not against that. And I'm not against, and I'm also, you know, I'm, uh, people can do what they want. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anyone how to live their lives, but they, they want to make this mandatory. They want to convert you into a, a, a synthetic version of yourself. Now it might just be one deviation away from normal, but that's all they need. And this, this brings me to, you know, the, the, the concept that we've gotten familiar with over the last 20 years, which is genetically modified organisms, GMO, GMO foods, genetically modified crops, tomatoes, you know, the way that came about was that <clears throat> legally you can't patent a tomato. It comes from the ground, it's nature, it's God, it's however you want to classify it, but it's not something that you as a corporation can just own. But if you change that tomato one deviation away, if you make it a genetically modified tomato so that it is now legally not a natural tomato, but just a little bit different, now it's a different story. Now that seed can be patented, which it is by the agri giants like Monsanto and, and so forth, and it can be sold and it can be it can be manipulated and modified. Those seeds expire. When you use a GMO seed, you use it one round and then it's no good. Whereas traditional normal seeds you can plant and then replant and replant. So they've made a, a business model out of this. And I think it's important for us to understand genetically modified foods when understanding what the fourth industrial revolution is about, because that transhumanism agenda, that, that, that push to make you one deviation less human now puts you in a, a category where you're, you're now a genetically modified tomato. Can someone own you? Can somebody patent you? Can somebody buy and sell you? I mean, you're not human anymore. You don't qualify technically, maybe even legally, as being a human being. So we'll see. That's unfortunately the direction they want to go. Now, that, of course, opens up a huge uh, barrel of monkeys here when you're talking about, uh, you know, the ramifications of that. I mean, you could you could quite literally bring back legalized slavery because these people aren't people in the eyes of the law. Now, there'd be some moral disagreements about this, but 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 just think about how we normalized mask wearing in two years and think of how unimaginable that would have been in 2019. And yet here it is. So if they decide with a full media campaign um, and the backing of governments and corporations to push that, to go down that path where, well, those people aren't really human, you give it a little time. It might sound crazy now. You give it 10 years, you give it 15 years. The next thing you know, Oh, of course, those aren't humans. Those are half people. Those are hybrids. Those are whatever. Those are others. And they can be done with whatever you, you know, do whatever you want with those people. So it's a extremely slippery slope here. Very dangerous. There's a lot of moral uh, 
questions about it, legal questions, business decisions that need to be made. But I think ultimately what you when you peel back and you look at who the World Economic Forum is and what they want, you know, if if the four of us were involved in running the World Economic Forum and we're all decent people, then the ownership of people, ownership of other human beings just wouldn't even be a discussion. But when you've got Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and Larry Fink from BlackRock and Jeff Bezos and the worst people in the world, all a part of this club, and they're the ones that are in charge of deciding whether or not you're legally a human being or not, well, then you've got, you're in a situation where the bad guys are in charge. So it's, it's imperative for people, you know, those that, that are kind of just coming into this World Economic Forum uh, topic that don't really know much about it. You've probably heard about it for years and years and years. If you've ever watched, you know, like uh, every year in January, there'll be an announcement on like the news. Oh, the corporate leaders and business magnets from around the world are all descending on Davos. You know, you'll hear that Davos, Switzerland. That's the World Economic Forum. That's where they have this party every year event. And that's where they get together and talk about how they want to run the world. And it is part of a one world government. It is a push towards that. But this is, is a lot of it is the corporate arm of it. So it's extremely dangerous. And it's it's something that people should uh, should definitely keep their eyes open for. Absolutely. And it's like uh, the, the interesting thing about the World Economic Forum is not only the fact that like they're so open about it on their website, because all the notes that I have down are literally from their website. Yeah. And some of the quotes are shocking. You know what I mean? It's it's absolutely wild. But there's so many different facets to what their, you know, their their, their goal is is globalization. But there's so many different facets under it that, you know, different people within the the, the organization are working on. And it, you got people from the, you know, the, the chairman of the uh, the IMF, you have presidents, you have corporate leaders, you have even some religious leaders. Yes. And they even have a, uh, what's that called? Young Global Leaders, where uh, Justin Trudeau was a part of and some other notable people where they're building up and the next generation to continue their plans to globalize and turn people into, um, you know, basically non-humans anymore, like this transhumanism agenda and having everything connected to the internet and it's all about data and control and one of the worst guys who, who i think that you could touch on for a bit is uh yuval noah harari he oh gets under my skin man with half the things that he says he's just a heartless person <laughs> you know what i mean he, he like yeah. treats everybody else as like they're just a bug to be squashed so yeah. do you want to talk about him for a minute because yeah, he's like I'll klaus schwab's right hand man yeah, I'll talk about him. He's a piece of work. Oh, before we do that, since since today they just installed Liz Truss as the new uh, P- prime minister in 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 the UK, um, we'll, we'll just also state for the record that she is a World Economic Forum young global leader, along with uh, Yacinda Ardan and 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 as you mentioned Trudeau and a, a cast a Macron and a bunch of all all of them. They they're they've infiltrated governments around the world. But yeah, you, yeah, Her, Harari. He, this guy's a this guy's a dangerous psychopath, uh, disguised as a wormy little nerd. But he is, you know, he it's not just his opinion that we need to blend with machines. He, he, he believes that we do not have souls 
he has stated that on multiple occasions on video that the idea of a soul is kind of like laughable to him. And um, he he doesn't see any value in that. I think it's you know, I think it's worth noting that he is a a gay man with no children who has no uh, reproductive stake in this world. And I think that that's fine and all if that's your personal life. But when your professional life is guided by principles that you're that, where you have no stake in the game, it, it, it opens up the possibility, I'm not going to say in every case, but it opens up the possibility that you could be making decisions that you really have, uh, you know, that will have an impact on this world, but you, you're somebody that's uh, burn it all down. You know, I don't care. What do I care? I'm when I'm gone, I'm gone and I'll, I'll never know. So he, he drags some personal biases into this job that I think are very disturbing. He is, uh, deeply anti people. He is very much. He's on the record saying that most people need to go that they're useless eaters. That's a Kissinger term. I think he's used something at least similar to it, uh, if not the same terminology. And uh, they, there's a there's a superiority complex, which is funny if you look at the guy. There's nothing he sh- there's no reason he should have any sort of superiority complex at all. Yet he does, and it's part of it has to do with his connection to these people. And these people are very, very dangerous. Now they they hide behind. $4,000 suits and they fly in in private jets and they don't look like serial killers. And, and you know, because of, of how Hollywood has tra- taught us to, to, to view dangerous people, but, but Klaus Schwab is infinitely more dangerous than the mythical Jason Voorhees or Chucky or any of these characters, you know, what these guys have planned for humanity is mass murder depopulation is a theme that runs through all of their projects, whether it be the World Economic Forum or the United Nations or all of the tentacles of the United Nations that come off of that or Tavistock Institute or the Council for Foreign Relations. These are institutions that at their core have a common thread, and that is this whole governing would uh, governing the people of the world would work a lot better if there were just fewer people on the planet. So we've got to get rid of them in the interest of cleaning up the stock, you know, so they pitch themselves as being these noble warriors making the tough decisions that need to be made. Meanwhile, they're just classic psychopaths, but they're in positions of power. And so it's worth keeping our eyes on all of them but uh, Harari in particular, because he's been very vocal and they've promoted him, they've used him quite a bit, but he's he's not the only one. And when you start to listen to those panels, Jeremy, you mentioned that like their website is just like, it's like a network of all of these different co- concepts that they're very vocal about, you know, artificial intelligence and COVID and this and that. And you go there and you have central banking, central banking, digital currencies, all these different little things. You think, oh, these are unconnected. Well, go to their website. It's actually a well-done website and they've got a big circular diagram and it shows how they're all connected, kind of like a bicycle spoke. It shows how they're all connected to each other and it's very fascinating and it's very well done. But when you see it laid out like that, you go, oh, I get it. This is part of a much broader. So, so 
some of these guys focus on part of it. You know, they focus on the social component of it. Like let's depopulate all these, but then there's also hardcore scientists that are working on artificial intelligence that, that are doing things differently. So it's, it's a vast, you know, array of smart, successful people that, you know, I would say most of them probably know what's going on. I don't know if every single one of them knows the full plan, but, um, you know, it's just, it's like one of those lies, you know, there's just enough truth in there that makes you go, Oh, well, these are reasonable. These are reasonable things that we should be looking at in the future. But then when you dig in a little deeper, you go, I just wish it was being proposed to me by somebody that was less sociopathic than, than, than Klaus Schwab and all these guys. Right. Yeah. And one, one thing about it is like, like you said earlier, you mentioned earlier how they have, uh, all these people set up already, you know, within like even uh, who was the last guy uh, that was president to, or not president, but prime minister of England. Um, what's his oh, name? Boris Johnson. Yeah. So he was also a part of the World Economic Forum. And so is this Liz woman. She's she's also a part of the World Economic Forum. And you can see that like these people who are put in the power are put in there for a purpose. But if they're incompetent at their job, they just replace him with another puppet. It's not the worst thing in the world to be incompetent at your job, too, because it's plausible deniability. I mean, sometimes right. they're they're sometimes their their job is to be incompetent at their job, you know, to get in there and be That's bad true. at it. Boris Johnson is a is a buffoon of the highest order. Everybody that is close to him knows this. He's put in there as as for a particular purpose, too. And it's not to be extremely efficient. Like you compare Boris Johnson to Obama. You know, they're both destroyers, but they're sent they they have much vastly different strategies or different styles of doing it. But but these these guys are placed there. Now, of course, th- these are positions of these are puppet positions. Uh, the power lies above them, far above them. But to the general public and to all of us, you know, when we talk about them, this is the front forward facing uh face of the empire and it's these puppets so so yeah they're completely replaceable um whether if they do a good job they are replaced you know they turn into tony blair where they wind up giving four hundred thousand dollar speeches around the world if they're bad puppets you know they they you know you never see them again or they get blown up in plane crashes or things like that so this this is uh this is part of the game so it's important to to understand that when you see somebody in power on your nightly news, doing something that seems completely inconsistent with reality, you know, uh, claiming we'll 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 ma- mandate electric cars while at the same time announcing that the electric power grid isn't going to even work right now. You know, when you see incompetence like that, the next step is, oh, I wonder if this guy's connected to the World Economic Forum. And then you'll look and you'll go, oh, yeah, they are. That's what's happening. So it's part of it is putting smart devious people in place and other another side to it is putting controllable idiots in place and managing their downfall and letting them take all the blame for their bad decisions meanwhile that's the plan all along is to is to break break the country break the world frankly uh on the inside and then build it back better which implies you had to destroy it in the first place in order to build it back better so that's that's the that's the sales pitch so the fourth industrial revolution is what the uh, world economic forum is about and they'll be honest about that but when you get to the actual 
marketing campaign. The marketing campaign for it is called Build Back Better. And that's how we're going to reimagine the world. And it's going to be green technologies and universal basic income and central bank digital currencies. And isn't this great? And it just feels like a sales pitch for global communism because that's what it is. But it's going to have so much money behind it that it's going to be everywhere. And therefore, it's kind of in our best interest to know about it now, to keep our eyes open, because then you'll be less susceptible, you know, down the down the road when they try to put their plan in place. Because you know what they're doing is they're making it sound like on the, you go to their website and they make it sound like this is the greatest thing that's ever been pitched. You know, we're going to build this utopia and they make it sound like a utopia, but it's yeah. it, it would never happen that way because you know, in our opinion on here is, you know, like mankind is, we have sin, like our hearts are wicked. Not saying that you're completely depraved, but you know, people are so depraved that uh, money can influence you to the highest order where you'll do some things you'd never thought you'd do just for money. You know what I mean? If, the, if that was offered to you, things like that, you know, and uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, in a nutshell, what the World Economic Forum is, they, they stated, stated on their website, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll read this quote real quick, and then, uh, you know, which pretty much, like I said, it, it puts the World Economic Forum's agenda in a nutshell, and then, Brian, if you have any comments, you can make some comments, and then we'll pass it over to Ali, because I know that we only have like 30 minutes left, so let me read this straight from their website. It says, global governance is a means to manage issues that cut across uh, national borders, whether it is a pandemic, a financial crisis, climate change, or geoeconomic dispute. Though traditionally centered on diplomacy and international organizations, a wide variety of public and private sectors now engage in cross-border governance. The work itself expanded well beyond treaty making to include formal and informal monitoring, standard setting, enforcement, and financing. Effective governance is essential to secure, peaceful, healthy, and prosperous societies, particularly now amid COVID-19, which I just want to state that, uh, as you know, Charlie, uh, Klaus Schwab said that COVID-19 was their perfect opportunity to create this great reset, right, to implement the great reset. Worsening ecological crises, uh, mounting political tension and growing nationalists against globalization because to them nationalists are a threat. Um, you know, so that is the, in a nutshell what the world economic is here to do is to create create global governance and all the other facets and plans that they have with them. And Brian, if you have anything to say, you can hop in right now because then we're going to give it to, to Ali. For sure. Yeah, I would just hop in and say, you know, that they're they're definitely very vocal about the goals and the plans they kind of have been from the jump you know all the way back with margaret sanger and planned parenthood and they kind of spelled it out but you know they're always speaking to an echo chamber it seems right they're at a function or a convention or a rally or something you know full of like-minded individuals that agree and cheer them on so uh the the mainstream's not covering those things so it's not widely accepted or widely known you know if you're not there sometimes you got to do a little dig and do a little research and so anyone willing to do that can see that Everything, like we said, from Planned Parenthood to the World Economic Forum to uh, many quotes from Gates. We've read many quotes from Klaus Schwab and kind of his minions as well. And uh, I mean, even the Georgia Guidestones, you know, is there a global agenda for depopulation? You know, a, a magic eight ball would tell you all signs point to yes. So uh, I'm just as curious as everyone here. I don't want to take up any time. Ali, how much uh, of this sounds familiar when we're talking biblical narrative, sir? 
Yeah, it's incredible how the word of the ancient prophets is, you know, coming uh, to take shape on the stage of history. Um, I was listening, I was, you know, taking all of this in and, and taking some notes. Um, one idea that came to my mind is why is all of this happening? I mean, what is it because of uh, psychology? Is it psychopaths? Is it uh, power hungry people, megalomania? Um, are these people involved in something dark? Do they have an ideology that inspires them, that motivates them, that they pass down from generation to generation? Did they just come up with these conspiracies yesterday? Or is this an intergenerational idea? How do we get to this point? And then I was reminded of a story I read long ago about two Japanese men walking with each other. And one of them turns around and, and says to the other one, you know, where are we? And the, you know, the man says, well, we're in Tokyo. And the other guy says, well, where's Tokyo? And he says, well, it's in Japan. And the first man says, well, where's Japan? And, and the, the other guy thinks a little bit and he, he says, well, it's, it's in the world. And his concepts are getting bigger. And he says to him, well, where's the world? And the guy thinks a little harder. And he says, ah, it's in the universe. That's where we are. We're in the universe. And then the first man looks at him and says, where's the universe? And he thinks and he thinks some more and he says, bewildered, I don't know. And so the first man says to him, then you don't know where you are. I mean, that's how little we know. We don't even know where we are. So for me, um, the idea that God has spoken into the world and has not left us in darkness, has not left us in a mystery, but has revealed the true nature of reality and how this, these pieces of the biblical puzzle keep coming together uh, prophetically. You know, you have to study it. You have to study the history. You have to study the archaeology. You have to study the prophecies. You know, there's there's some work to be done, but it, it's not something you need to force into place. You just have to become aware of it. And it tells us that the earth is the birthplace of those who have a destiny in the future of the cosmos, that the earth is the, is the birthplace of the one who was made in the image of God, the image bearer of God himself. A child is, was made here. This is the womb. This is the incubation center. And there are these other beings in, in the cosmos. Uh, you know, even the Bible, when speaking of, of, of the universe, uses the word shamaim, uh, in Hebrew, which has been, uh, you know, translated as Uranus in the New Testament, but it really refers to the sky where the birds fly. It refers to the universe where the sun, moon, and the stars lie, and it refers to a place at the heart of time and space, a temple at the heart of time and space. All of it is called Shemaim, so it does include the universe, and it places humanity um, inside of a cosmic tale. It says that our story is, is at the building block of a much larger tale. And for me, it's when you plug our story into the larger tale that suddenly all of this starts to make sense and falls into place. And the larger tale is that man is made in the image of God with a destiny that involves uh, serving uh, as part of the government of this, of this creation. But there are beings, especially there's one, but there's more than just one, who object to that. You know, they have this ambition that collides. Um, especially there's one whose name we don't know. We only know his titles or, or the titles that scripture gives. And he wants to be worshipped as the first 
order of the creation. He wants, essentially, uh, to have the place of man. And, and so begins a war. And this war is about um, control and about remaking humanity in the image of these other beings, of these fallen angels. We call them in Christian culture. That's not a biblical term, but it's a, it's a term of Christian culture. In the Bible, they're called the sons of God. And the idea is that one third of the sons of God have rebelled in this cosmic order and have and and part of their ambition is to remake a new humanity in their own image. And that's what the hybrids of old were about. The giants, the Nephilim, the Titans, demigods, spoken of by all the nations in written traditions and in oral traditions. This infiltration into the human DNA, which bears the mark of the one who was made in the image of God. And to re to incorporate the human DNA into, into a governance of their own image. They want to have their own children. They want to weave themselves into the human race. And that's what the tale of hybrids has revealed to us over and over again, recorded in so many different writings, but dismissed as myth. Really, as far as I can tell, um, the 19th century was the turning point, the age of enlightenment. And and whatever it is that came out of Bavaria, which brought with it this this socialism and this communism that we saw rise in, in Russia, in France, and in the West, in the English world, it's Fabian socialism. Well, that is really the name, uh, you know, the Labour Party of England, um, and many people in Congress ad adhere to Fabian socialism. It's a uh, official form of uh, economic doctrine taught in the London School of Economics. It's something the diplomats learn. Um, but, you know, FDR was a, was a Fabian socialist president. Um, and so the, there, there is this, this, this idea, and where does it come from? Well, no matter how far back you go in history, um, whether it's with the story of Nimrod after the flood, whether it's the story of the world before the flood, there is this attempt to enslave humanity, to incorporate it into the, into the system of government of these beings. They want to give us their laws. I mean, that's what polytheism was all about. The codes of civilization were handed down to the various nations by these beings that the Bible calls the sons of God or the gods of the nations and Christians refer to commonly as fallen angels. Why? Because the idea is to deny humanity its destiny and to replace it uh, with beings made in the image of these fallen angels and beings that carry out their worldview into the cosmos, starting with the earth itself. So this is an ancient conspiracy that um, has seen uh, its, you know, has come to life through uh, many different empires, but but the Bible focuses on four. And before I kind of go into those four empires and lead it into the 21st century, Jeremy, I see that you have your hand up. What's up? Oh uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention too that in Deuteronomy 32, it talks about how God appointed, um, you know, the, the sons of God over the nations. So they were there. They were used. There were these beings, you know, these fallen angels, not fallen angels at the time, but, you know, these angels that were placed over the nations, the 72 nations to be act as God's uh, like ambassador or his, you know, they were to rule these nations for the Lord. 
but they also rebelled. And so within that, we can see even today as these na- as all the nations around us, you know, they're, we're trying to get to a global governance. I think it's important to realize that over each of the nations, there's also a being or beings that are influencing the leaders of the world to head into the direction that we're, that we're going right now. And they've tried to do this. You know, we had a New World Order with, with Nimrod. We They've tried to, you know, this ancient conspiracies have been done many times over the course of history. You know, and you're about to talk about the four kingdoms that have already transpired, or three of them at least, into the newest one that they're trying to make because I think the Roman Catholic Church is a huge play in all of this as a religious arm of the New World Order. But, you know, go on. I just wanted to state that, that, you know, Deuteronomy 32 sets an important precedence to how they are influencing the nations in a spiritual manner other than just a small select group of people coming together and creating this gigantic plan. It seems implausible to me without some sort of spiritual help. And I believe that the answer to their spiritual uh, influence is is also in the, in the Word of God, you know what I mean? Yeah, basically Deuteronomy 32, verse 8 and 9, in the Septuagint, which was the Old Testament Greek translation of the Bible, and in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, reveals this mystery that 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 I discovered in, in, in the year 2000, which was uh, put in a documentary, that's why it's called UFOs, Angels, and Gods, which is that when God divided the nations, uh, and there are 70 of them, mentioned um, as, as the archetypical foundation of all nations because the bible sees the nations as clans uh, as families and so there are 70 clans and um the they were given into the hand of these beings called the sons of god and god chose jacob for himself in the same way that moses received the codes of of, of the bible which gave birth to the hebrew civilization and these laws continue to influence even our commonwealth laws. Um, they, um, the other beings also gave laws to the nations. That is how civilization was even created. When you look at um, anthropology, the anthropologists say that urbanization was essentially a reorganization of the human society from these patriarchal clans to these societies based around these king priests. Um, they in Mesopotamia they were building ziggurats, and in Egypt they were building these pyramids, and they had pharaohs. And the purpose of these king priests, they're also called shepherds. Uh, they, they were called NC, Lugal, Sipar in in in, in Mesopotamian language, uh, which means shepherd Sipar. So these the idea was that they were now shepherding the people for, on behalf of these beings called the gods. They're receiving the laws from them. They're receiving. So it's as though the earth was seeded with life and the life was seeded with knowledge. And the Bible reveals to us that the source of this knowledge is twofold. This one that comes from these beings, whether it's the gods of Hinduism or the gods of Egypt or the gods of Greece or Rome. But but off the Mesopotamia, um, Egypt and India are the three centers of this um, uh, the birth of this, you know, the, the matrix that's going to now encode humanity's uh, understanding of reality. And then comes the Hebrew prophets, starting with Moses, even though the book of Job is the oldest book of the Bible. And, and from there, we have God's perspective. The third form of knowledge comes from man himself, because man is a thinking being and reasons. 
And the fourth knowledge, which is the one that we see mostly in the cities of, of the modern world, is a braiding together of the three sources of knowledge, the ones from the fallen angels through polytheism, and the ones from the God of Israel, and the ones from man himself, weave together to create a fourth form of knowledge, which is the main one that most people are functioning in, in the metropolises. And then comes, you know, this character, this Jesus, comes to the earth, the son of God, and what he does changes history. Um, the atonement, the redemption of the human race, the, the, the literal purchasing in his blood of all nations from this legal authority that has been given to these beings over humanity. The fallen world and the fallen angels were on the same side of the fence. But when God redeems the human race to restore its place in the cosmic order, and, and it's kind of a surprise, it's a strategy. They, they, they're thinking, let's kill this guy. They, I mean, Satan proposes to him, he says, look, I'm, I'm in charge of all the empires. Dominion has been given to me over all the kings of the earth, and I'll give them to whomever I will. Worship me, and I'll give them, give them to you. What he's saying to him is, look, the houses of the eagles, because the eagle represents him, you know, they are under me, Rome, and I will give it to you. If you worship me, you can have Israel you can, and, and, and you can have Rome, but just under me. And then the Lord says, well, it's written only worship God, Satan behind me. And so he goes to plan B, which is to kill him. But that unleashes the atonement laws that God had set into uh, print into, into, into the, the Old Testament, but had blinded men and angels to it. So after the release of the atonement law into the empires, um, we see suddenly the Holy Spirit go into the world and we see the fall of polytheism and we see the, the, the power of these being be pushed back. And that's when they go underground. Those who continue to worship them go underground. And that it becomes the birth of secret societies. Before that, they didn't have to go underground. They were the temples were everywhere. I mean, all, all the early Christians were accused of monotheism. They were accused of weakening the empire, the emperor, by no longer worshiping the beings that were behind him. But after the Holy Spirit begins to pour into the nations and and people come back to the worship of the one God, these beings, the secret societies are formed and they go underground to continue their attempt to reorganize into empire. And so the Bible talks about four empires that it focuses on. I mean, it talks about other things, but but let's just say for the sake of our conversation tonight, Babylon, the final of Mesopotamian Empire, Medo-Persia, which is the final Middle Eastern Empire. And then that's why I think the Persians continue to have so much power. And then you have the Greek world, and that's why the West dominates the Middle East, because God gives the power to the Greeks and from there to the Romans. And the Roman Empire... Um, you know, destroys the temple in Jerusalem and scatters the Jewish people. And so God says that he will bless those who bless Abraham and curse those who curse Abraham. So the same thing happens to Rome. Rome gets scattered and, and thrown into pieces. And so the houses of the eagles, you know, from D.C., from Moscow to D.C. through the European empires, there are attempts to rebuild it, whether it's Charlemagne or Napoleon, or even, you know, I think Charlie mentioned the Reich, so and even Hitler's Reich. But it, it's never been able to rebuild into empire um, since the scattering of it happened. But the Bible tells us that there will come a day 
where the transition from the age of empire to the messianic kingdom will occur once the gospel is preached to all the nations and people have been you know invited into this eternal kingdom into this redeemed destiny and the one of, there are many signs given of this age of history and one of the signs is the the return of the jewish people to this land and of course um, the the importance of jerusalem once again um, as an important city in history. And if you look at, for instance, the um, Supreme Court of Israel, I mean, it's got all kinds of pagan symbols all around it. The, the Rothschilds paid for it to be built, and there's the sign of the Queen of Heaven is there, 33, everything is 33, um, and uh, there are many other signs uh, in, the, in the Supreme Court. So I think that they, they also have their eye on the city of Jerusalem, because that is the city that God has chosen as the capital of his messianic kingdom. And so that is one of the signs. And then there is the reemergence, um, the, the sudden appearance you know, in 1947, that's when it, the United Nations votes Israel into, into nationhood and, and fulfills a biblical prophecy and promise of God's. But also that is the year the UFO phenomenon begins. And suddenly we see this thing that appears out of the blue. And from the very beginning, as early as 1948, we're told that the saviors of the world have arrived. And that's what, you know, the day the earth stood still, an old movie from 1951-52 promoting the idea. All the way into modern science fiction, we get this idea that the and transhumanism is very much connected to this idea of, of, of the hybrids and of aliens. Um, and um, where is this industrial revolution headed? Well, in my opinion, since I, I see now that the War of Angels involves technology and always has, I see that the purpose is to, is to prepare humanity for, for the Battle of Armageddon essentially, which is prophesied in so many different ways in the Bible. And so they're building our technology up and, and infiltrating themselves into, into the human world because you look at the UFO phenomenon, what's at the heart of it? The creation of hybrids, which is an ancient story that we're witnessing once again. And the Bible says that there will be um, a commingling of the seeds in the, in the final age of the final empire, which is still Rome. We are still in Rome, but we've, we're just in, in the modern rendition of Rome, and that's why we have the Senate, and that's why we have the Roman architecture, and that's why uh, we have the sign of the eagle. You know, uh, when I was a student here at the University of Toronto, I, I did take Roman history. And uh, our, our, the teacher, Professor Corbett, a very important Roman historian, he used to say, you know, there's never been a people uh, closer to the Romans than our Yankee friends to the south. And I would take his word for it because he was one of the, the, the most, uh, you know, eminent Roman historians of the world. And so he, you know, he had an understanding of these things. And there is, there is this fourth empire that we are still in. And what the Bible says is that God will allow it to form once again into empire, meaning that once again, the eagles will unite under a single leader. And it does talk about the commingling of seeds, and it talks about 10 kings. That is the next um, chapter of the prophetic uh, destiny of the world imperial system, which is the rise of these 10 kings. And for that to happen, 
it seems that they have initiated a series of crises. So whether this, this you know, uh, Wuhan laboratory um, uh, man-made uh, virus is, uh, obviously was one crisis, and the, already we could see uh, the Rockefeller protocol and all of these protocols that explain beforehand what you're supposed to do if such a thing happened. And you could see even exercises happening even like months before, you know, this whole thing happened, saying if there was a pandemic, what should we do? Um, the, I think the next uh, step in this um, crisis that, that, that allows them to, to come forward and promote their, their agenda is going to be an economic collapse, a global economic collapse. I think that's the next thing. And I think that's what... You know, we have two years of lockdowns. The Chinese factories are closed, and I don't know what's going on in China. It's getting very dystopic over there. Uh, we have uh, Russia, the energy baron of Europe, you know, attacking. And then we have this incredible propaganda that sets the Europeans into economic suicide, essentially, um, against the, their, their energy baron. And so we... Um, we're headed towards a global economic crisis, yet, yet no one is talking about it. In fact, we're, we're being told that we, at, at best we might have a mild recession. And, and, and this entire tightening cycle of, of you know, raising in, uh, interest rates and, um, and removing money from the system after just putting it into the system, um, I think the, the fruits of this have not yet manifested in our economic system. We're going to find out soon in fall. Um, China is already down. Uh, Europe is clearly, you know, headed to depression. And, and so we're only left with one sector, one jurisdiction, and that's North America. Canada is pretty much, you know, uh, completely attached to the states economically. So if America goes down, Canada goes down with it. This, I don't think the American consumer is going to save the, the world. Um, I think we, we're going to experience a global economic collapse in 2023. And I think this is part of this agenda of control. Uh, you know, only if all of money was digital, only if there was a blockchain system that allowed all transactions to be recorded, then the Federal Reserve would know exactly how much money to put into the system, how much money to take out of it, because we would see all transactions. I mean, you do need a series of crises. You look at George Orwell's thinking in 1984 that the world will be controlled through fear. But you look at Aldous Huxley's thinking in The Brave New World that the world will be controlled through pleasure. And I think it's kind of like an alternating between these two things. You I mean, you know, I, I was, there's a documentary I was watching about, um, you know, this, what happened after 9-11 and the Patriot Act. And, um, it was interesting. There was the, the head of CIA, and he was in, in a, some sort of congressional hearing. He said, "If, if only we knew all this time that that in order to uh, look into people's lives, we had to give them an app like Facebook. That would have made our life so much more, you know, easy." So I think that's the pleasure part. I think that's that's the goodies. You know, like uh, Elon Musk is creating a company called well, not a tree. He's created a company called Neuralink, where he says, you know, you tap into AI. Actually, you know, this is something people should watch. There's a debate between him and Jack Ma uh, because, you know, Tesla owns the most advanced artificial intelligence of the commercial world in the West. And and uh, Alibaba owns the most uh, uh, advanced commercial AI of China. 
and they have a debate with each other. And it's really interesting because Elon Musk, which is supposed to be this Silicon Valley, California, you know, dude, he he seems like a robot in the interview. He's saying, yes, we need to plug into AI in order to enhance our mental ability. But Jack Ma, uh, who is this, you know, communist, you know, Chinese guy, he's saying, He's saying, what are you talking about? You know, man can make AI, but AI can never make a man. Man has passion, man has intuition, man has all kinds of things that AI can never have. And it's really funny to watch because you think it'd be the other way around. But regardless, I don't want to digress. The whole idea of the mark of the beast. So there are 10 kings that are coming. And in order for these 10 kings to rise, we're going to need a global economic collapse. Um, why? Because... Right now, we live in a world order that is dominated by one country since the collapse of the Soviet Union. And a coalition of 10 kings requires a change in this dominance. So if we have a global economic collapse, they're going to have to put money back into the system more than they did during COVID, which will then launch us into years of inflation. And that will kill the economy. By the time we get to 2030, I suspect that we'll complete the super cycle between the two great depressions. And so I think that the 2030s will be the time of the transition of the world order. It takes time to, to implement these things. And, and we'll, be, we'll look for strong leaders to pull us out of that great depression. And, and if there is a war in the Middle East, because you know if, if the Biden administration gives one um, $150 billion uh, to the Iranian uh, Islamic Republic, then there is an anti-American coalition rising right now with China and Russia and Iran and North Korea. The, 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 the idea of, of what's happening in Syria eventually, because the Bible says that Damascus is going to be turned into a ruin, a heap of ruin. And that's it's in Isaiah 17, chapter uh, verse one. That's never happened. Damascus is one of the oldest cities in the world. It's never been reduced to 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 a heap of ruins. So that's a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. So if right now we're seeing the Islamic Republic and Israel exchange fire in Syria, this and and Russia is also there. I think this could be some a war that happens at the end of this decade, which would then really complete the the, the economic collapse and usher us into the 2030s, into this age of transition where we'll see the rise of these 10 kings and then they'll be the one that leads them all. And the Bible has much to say about this man. Um, and Paul says that he will oppose and exalt himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. I mean, this is the, he's a cult leader. It's going it, it, to, the, the, the 10 kings give birth to, to this Hitler-like figure. So I think that the late 30s will be very much like the 1930s, you know, and, and we'll see the rise of this guy. And, and he he's the one that implements finally that technology that connects um, his people, those who accept it, into his global economic system and into himself. And it says that he receives his authority from the dragon. So it's kind of like the unholy trinity. You know, the father is the dragon. The son is the antichrist. That's the name we know him uh, as. And then there, the Holy Spirit is this technology, you know, this connection. And those who don't take it, it says, won't be able to buy, sell, or do commerce. And at, now I see, because of what happened in COVID, that, that if you don't kind of, if you don't take the vaccine, you don't have these privileges. I think it's going to be like, 
they're going to come and take us into concentration camps if we were still here because there's this idea of the rapture they're going to take us into concentration camps because like you can't feed yourself you can't function and we're going to like you know edu re-educate you and come over here and so we're, we're going back to the early days when the holy spirit came from jerusalem into the roman world and changed the world we're going back to a time where once again the polytheism the the worship of these beings and their chosen leader pushes back the movement that began 2000 years ago out of israel and and they kind of you know they they, they capture us they want to they persecute us and they put into the world beings made in their own image connected to their technology led by their leader and and the war of angels i think the ufo phenomenon is going to become more and more an important issue because of prophecies in the bible i don't have time to open up and this will lead us to the time of redemption where the darkest moment of history will be its brightest and where it all seems lost the king of kings will arrive and this is the vision of the prophets of Israel and this transition of the age of empire to the messianic kingdom. The birth pangs are upon us. And the reason God spoke so much about this in his book is because we need this to guide us in this time as things become darker, more confusing, more, more astonishing, more spiritually. Um, you know, we need spirituality and philosophy and our, and our own reason won't be able to put up with what's coming. I think God has gone ahead of us and said, guys, it's all under control. Don't worry. Um, I'm allowing this evil to rise because I'm going to judge it, remove it. And I will be the one that brings in the utopia. And I'm on my way with my army of angels. And I think that's what the UFO phenomenon is going to end up being it's going to be the war of angels that's that's its final you know manifestation so i think that these are the birth pangs what charlie's talking about and documenting are the birth pangs of the final empire spoken of by the prophets of israel that lead to the second coming and the ushering in of the new age of history and the restoration of the human race in the cosmic order speechless <laughs> yeah me too that came at me from such a different angle and i love it i mean i don't typically get into the to the ancient, you know, the historic ramifications of this. I'm really more focused on the current day to day or maybe back a couple decades. But to have that added perspective of like a whole new subplot that's that I hadn't really thought too deeply about. I mean, I do feel like these people work as if they are under the control or under the supervision of or owing some sort of allegiance to something else otherworldly <clears throat> they never get a day off they don't get to retire you don't see david rockefeller stopping you don't see henry kissinger retiring you don't see klaus schwab retiring these guys are in this forever as if they are compelled to be and i always wondered what that was you know what is that force that has got a hold of them and I, I, you know, is there something else besides just another human being with a lot of power and influence? Is there is there something more mysterious? And man, you make a Amen. really, really good case for it. I mean, that is that is really gonna. I'm gonna have to go take a walk after that one. <laughs> it's it's game you know, changers. You know what I mean? 
it shifts your whole paradigm a lot of times. Yeah. The stuff that unfolds when you really are able to zoom out and look at the the bigger picture. And we even our zooming out in bigger picture is such a small piece, I think, to you know what uh, the grander plan will be. And that you do see that there's two sides at play. It is definitely chess. We see that to a certain extent, you know, uh, for for now, uh, evil is allowed. I would go I a step that. further and say that not only is evil allowed, it's being promoted. It's it's being marketed yeah. by Madison you, Avenue and Hollywood. Absolutely. And you know what's what's crazy is that, uh, you know, I, I got about 10 minutes before I got a dip here, but um, the people running the world, if you dig deep enough, they're clearly in allegiance to somebody, like you said. And the Bible says that the, uh, you know, that Satan is the God of, God of this world right now. Temporarily, he's not the God of gods, but he's the God of this world. He has a, there's a purpose for God allowing him to rule. And if you look at society and you look, especially in the West, that they promote, it's not against Muhammad. It's not against Zoroaster, right? It's all against Christ. Everything they do is against Christ. If people don't think that, you know, the world elite are worshiping Satan or like some sort of polytheistic God who, in our view, are just the fallen angels masquerading as differently. He can be called Zeus or Kronos or whatever. They're all the same beings with the same characteristics in different cultures. But you can see it in the symbolism everywhere. Even, the you know, the medical symbol, right, is two serpents wrapping around staff. That is called the staff of Hermes. And Hermes was the the god of thieves and merchants. Why would they even use that? Yeah, I know that they're trying to promote atheism, but in, in reality, dude, I think everybody knows that there is more to life and that there is a spiritual side. And the elite clearly thinks so because it's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. And I know Freemasonic symbolism is everywhere. And most, you know, a lot of our presidents were Masons and all this stuff and, and morals and dogma by Albert Pike, it says that in that book that they worship no other than Lucifer, that Lucifer is a true light because in Luciferianism, uh, you know, it's they believe that Lucifer is the good guy because he gave mankind knowledge and intellect and set us free from the Garden of Eden. And same thing with Prometheus. So it's it's all these different gods are really just certain gods or certain angels with different names. But I think that if you look around you can see that the war is not against Muhammad. It's not against these different gods. It's always against Christ. You can't say Jesus Christ in school. You know, that they stopped the Pledge of Allegiance. They did all this stuff, but you're allowed to use any other name in the book. But you can't say Jesus. You can't worship Jesus. And I don't know. It's just everywhere. And everything that you see in Hollywood, bro, it's all blasphemous against God. And what he said was good and bad for mankind. They're promoting everything that's bad, catering to the desires of the flesh and mankind's pleasures which we think is okay or good because it only pleases our flesh but like in, in reality it's spiritually hurting us you know you fornicate you have kids you have broken homes you have like all these different things and that's just like one aspect but for an example but yeah every the war is against christ and if even if for the audience you know if you don't believe in satan and you don't believe in jesus that's fine but guess what the elite do and everything they're basing their ideology on, every plan that they have for the New World Order and for mankind and destroying us on purpose, obviously it's on purpose. If you look, they themselves believe in, in, in Satan. And they're doing this because of the influence that the spiritual beings have on them. 
everything they're trying to achieve through these agendas don't make any sense unless you look at it from a biblical point of view. I think that answers that question of why, you know, that like in Charlie's book, you know, the global octopus it really has tentacles reaching into everything, right? And that, that really answers some of those questions as to why and even how that could be. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's uh, I love the octopus symbolism for And of course, I didn't come up with it, but it's just such a great does such a, a good job of encapsulating these people, you know, very devious and smart and change their colors and change the texture and, you know, spray you with ink or, you know, squirt away and disappear to fight another day. The real real sort of uh, symbolic of of the mentality of the people that are running the show. It's just uh, it's 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 fascinating to watch, but I, I, I just can't relate to that meant. I can't relate to that way of life of, of prioritizing destruction. You know, I, I, I suppose they probably look at us and think, you know, they can't understand why we think what we think, but, but the idea of people just setting out with their one goal to control humanity, just, it's just inconsistent with how I view the world. It just seems crazy to me <laughs> and yet it's happening, you know, and it's undeniable. Absolutely. To just push for that collapse or that destruction, you know, for the order out of chaos, right? Yeah. You know, they, yeah. That's how you build back better is first. They've got to, they got to bring it all down. Yeah. What a shame. They could put all that energy into making this place better, but they don't. And I think it, it would work if mankind wasn't so corrupt at the same time. You, you know what I mean? I think a lot of their plans or a lot of their agendas would be uh, pretty beneficial to mankind, but they're so corrupt. I don't think it would ever work. And I just want to say I really appreciate having you guys on. We might have to do a part two sometime because there's so much information to cover and there's a lot lot more we could get into. But I just want to say thank you for coming on the show, man. Charlie, thank you so much, bro. Thank and, uh, you. For Ollie, having- thank you. You're welcome, man. Thank you for having me, too. Just to finish, what I want to say that they have to kind of destroy the world as we know it in order to breathe into it their own version of reality. I think that's part of what they're doing is they're removing the Judeo-Christian heritage and the values we inherited from that so that they can now rewrite the world according to their own paradigm. You know, that's that's why we have to push back and stand for these truths, because uh, as the darkness rises, the light has to shine all the brighter. Amen. Agreed. Yeah, Jeremy, I know you got to go. And gentlemen, I do appreciate both of your time. And and I knew that if we could get you all together, you know, get you in the same room, some of these great minds with different areas of research, you'd see that they'd line up well, you know, just like that uh, octopus is exposed. So I agree, Jeremy, we'll have to do this again. If anybody has anything left or wants to plug anything real quick, feel free. Macroaggressions goes out twice a week as an audio podcast and as a video in on platforms like band.video, uh, Odyssey, and Rockfin. The website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggression. Thanks, guys. On my end, uh, I'm doing a series in the Book of Revelation, chapter by chapter, on my Patreon page, and it's really popular, patreon.com slash thinkagainproductions. And you can go to my website, thinkagainproductions.com, watch the documentary. It's free. If you want to leave a donation, you can. And double-click on the documentary. It'll take you to my YouTube page. There's more videos there. And on Facebook and Twitter, the handle is at UFOs, Angels, Gods, one word. All right. Until next time, boys, God bless you, and thank you again. We appreciate you coming on. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.